the doer is the part of me um, that can't stop doing shit. It just cannot fucking stop. Like it is, it it will always stay busy, even when I'm trying to relax with my kid. It is trying to figure out what is next. Go, baby, go, baby, go. Like there's something happening, and you're missing it, and and you need to be on, buddy. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Ian Lobos, and our mission is to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve men to be on purpose. So check it out. Few things today that I want to talk about before we get to my guest, Amir Bentley. You guys have made us a top 1% podcast in the world, and that is freaking special. That is awesome. That's really awesome. So I have you to thank for that, and so I just want to give you a little gratitude. So check it out. Couple free resources that we have on the website, right? Ianlobos.com, mentalpurposepodcast.com. There you're going to find a ton of different stuff. One of those things you're going to find is our free ebook. The free ebook is basically a breakdown of our one year coaching program in a little ebook, four steps, four or five different videos, and you can literally take yourself through it. And you get that from the website. Really, the second and the big thing that I want to celebrate there is our Men on Purpose community on Facebook. Not the Men on Purpose podcast community, but the Men on Purpose community. Men on Purpose community is a is a it's it's an incredible ecosystem for all things on purpose, including free weekly coaching, webinars, tips, and really one of the most important things that we need as people on purpose is another network of like-minded people who are also looking to do the five E's for their lives to be the most powerful, purposeful, fulfilled, authentic, you know, regret-free versions of who they are. Not all masterminds, not all communities are created equal, not all networks are created equal. This one's purpose-built by me for you, for us to evolve together in, and that's freaking awesome. Lastly, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. If you already haven't, hit up iTunes or, or Spotify, Mental Purpose Podcast. Hit that subscribe button. And if you could be so kind, leave us a five-star review. And one last thing, make sure you check out our Front Runner events. There are live events, personal involvement, deep dive coaching, three-and-a-half-day weekend retreats. They will blow your mind. We've got four of them coming up this year. They sell out quick, so make sure you hit up frontrunner.group to check it out. Okay, so here we go. Demir Bentley, I think this guy is a life hack expert, right? Hacking expert. And, uh, and he calls himself the productivity guy, but we're going to talk about life hacks today, right? That's the most important thing because we hear about life hacks. We hear about these hacks and people doing this and people doing that. Look, this guy's the expert. You are going to learn so much stuff about life hacks today that you're going to have actionable items literally right after we finish the interview. No joke. So let me tell you a little bit about Demir. Let's get rolling. So Demir, productivity guy, he works successfully with people who have created, or sorry, he's he's secretly struggled with um, productivity and just all around getting organized, and that's who he helps, right? And we talk about myself and his challenges at organization and structure and all those different hacks that we use in our lives to get through basically the ADD brain that does not want us to be corralled. So you got to work with it. Don't fight against it. He's a head coach at Lifehack Method where he's helped over 50,000 professionals get it together and create more freedom in their lives. His clients have added millions in revenue. And the most important thing is save thousands of hours implementing his coaching. He's personally coached executives from Facebook, Google, Uber, PepsiCo, and his work's been featured in Forbes, Wall Street Journal, Washington Post, tons of other media outlets. Fun fact about Demir is him and his family are full-on digital nomads. That means that they live around the world in different cities in Greece and Singapore and Bali and Hawaii. And right now they live in Medellin, Colombia. And the, the guy is switched on. The guy is so much fun. We have a blast. We're laughing. We're, we're challenging each other. We're, it is a great episode. You're going to love it. Thank you for listening to this podcast and supporting us. Here you go. This is Demir Bentley. All right, Demir. Let's do this thing, man. Let's, let's do it. Bye. <laughs> You and I have a little bit of a history, and it's a long time ago. We, we met on, like, the first podcast that I ever hosted, and uh, when I had the opportunity to bring you back on this Powerhouse podcast, I'm like, let's roll. Let's do this, because you, you have an expertise in life hacks, and too many people, in my opinion, are misinformed or confused about what life hacking is, and you're here to set them 
a little bit more straight <laughs> on that path, if not totally straight on that path, <laughs> in my opinion. So uh, let's jump, man. Let's jump into it. So yeah, we, yeah. Define this thing. I mean, okay. So so what's interesting about like if you go online and you look up the word life hack. And just, I mean, just do it. Google it and look up the images. And what you'll see is like clever uses for old toilet, toilet paper rolls, right? You're going to see like, right. you know, like, oh, you could use your old toilet paper rolls to store things in your freezer, you know, or whatever it is, you know. Um, I don't I don't use that definition of life hacking, right? So, so what I think is better is something that Buckminster Fuller called ephemeralization. That's a big mouthful. If you want to set, if you want a fancy cocktail party word, <laughs> that you want to throw around at a party, start throwing around the word ephemeralization. Um, and what, it, what, what he defined it as uh, was being able to do more and more with less and less until eventually you can do everything with, with no inputs. More, I'm going to say it one more time because it, it's, it's one of those things you really want to wrap your brain around. Yeah. Being able yeah. to do more and more with less and less until eventually you can do everything with nothing. Right. And he used that to describe the progression of technology. Right. Think about like if you wanted to get information from one place to the other in the Middle Ages, you literally had to put tons of books into the back of a cart and roll it, yeah. you know, you know, thousands and thousands of miles. Uh, it's so if you think about like in the Middle Ages, how you would get information from one place to another, you would literally have to put tons of books inside of the back of a horse-drawn cart and then transport it, you know, from one continent to another over bridges that probably weighed, you know, each bridge probably weighed metric, I mean, just like thousands and thousands of tons, yeah. right? So, so this was what had to happen to get information from one place to the other. Today, push a button. Gigabytes yeah. of information, yeah. whole libraries of information. So this is proof that ephemeralization is possible and, in fact, is sort of this in, in, inevitable progression. I think about that as being the best definition of life hacking because when I ask yeah. people what they really want in their life, when they get more productive, when they get more organized, when they think about taking a different approach to their life, what they're really saying is I want a bigger and bigger life. I want to project myself in a bigger way in my life, in my family, with my health, with my self-knowledge, my spiritual journey, whatever it is. I want that bigger and bigger life, but I want it to take less and less. And eventually, my ideal would be that it all just happens without any effort whatsoever. And so right. I think, think – And then get it. Exactly. Like I, I, I want it yeah. to be self-sustaining. I want it to – because really yeah. what happened from the Middle Ages to now is not magic. It's, it's infrastructure. That's really what happened. It wasn't magic. It was yeah. infrastructure. So when I think about as a productivity coach, um, when I think about working with somebody, what I really think about is creating the infrastructure in their life so that not just that we get the work done this week, but that the work becomes permanently easier to do each and every week for the future. And if you live that way, if it's almost like bouncing on a trampoline. If every single week you're doing something, not just to get the work done, but to make the work permanently easier to do, then you're almost then life is getting lighter. Like every single week, it's almost like the trampoline gives you more energy back every time you bounce on it, and you're just bouncing higher yeah. and higher and higher. That's what a life of ephemeralization feels like. Gary Keller and Jay Papasan in their fantastic book, The One Thing really nail this by defining leverage as doing something this week that can make everything next week and every and in the future easier or unnecessary. What can you do today yes. that makes everything else in the future easier or unnecessary? And that is ephemeralization. That is their definition of the one thing. Um, but I think this is also my definition of life hacking. I would say that somebody has hacked their life when they live the biggest possible life, but when you see them, they're not even breaking the sweat. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like the what you were describing is that poster in back of you. It says, "I want to be a bodybuilder." Oh. Yeah. But I Everybody want to wants to be a bodybuilder. <laughs> so that is Ronnie Coleman, eight-time Mr. Yeah. Olympia, right? One yeah. more Mr. Olympias than than uh Arnold Schwarzenegger, right? Yep. Uh and he says in one of the funniest YouTube videos ever, if you want to see a hilarious video, the context yes. of that video is everything because he lifts probably like enough weight to be like a small, like mid-sized caravan. I mean, the guy like is lifting yeah. and screaming. His face is like, you know, veins bulging, <laughs> screaming in agony, lifting this heavy weight. And then he throws it down and he looks right at the camera and says, 
Everybody want to be a bodybuilder, but don't nobody want to lift no heavy ass weight. <laughs> I just the first <laughs> Dude, time I heard so it. So true for life, though. I just thought this guy just explained life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's dude, I, I love that, and you explained it dead on as you would because you're an expert at it. Like it, it is, it's. Let's get into. Let's talk about systems and how systems and procedures come in there because systems are something that build upon each other. And I, I in my coaching business, I teach a lot about building businesses that are sustainable. And you mentioned yeah. that word earlier, sustainability. Most people build a business, and which really is just a mask for creating another job for themselves. And they don't yeah. have sustainability. They don't work with systems and processes. I was one of those people in the real estate world when I was selling real estate that I just went out and sold real estate. I generated leads, and I sold real estate, and I rode that roller coaster up and down, up and down all year long. I just did it at a really high level. So it looked good, but I was miserable. Yeah. I started building systems and really understanding systems, honestly, after reading the one thing. Like yeah, what would be book. unnecessary next week for me to do? How do I not go in and have to spin this damn plate every Monday morning and every first of the month? How do well, I and get also, this thing so that's not, sustainable? That's not humane. When I say humane, yeah. I don't mean fair. What I mean is like humane in the sense that it's human, right? A human yeah. is going to have good weeks and bad weeks. And even mm -hmm. on good weeks – a human could have a good week where they're fully present, ready to jam, but life throws them curveballs, right? So, so the idea that, that you're going to plan for being super consistent is already a losing idea because super consistency yeah. is not going to happen for two important reasons. One, you're not going to be great all the time. And two, even when you're great, life is going to throw you these landmines. You're just going to step on a landmine. It's going to blow up and you're going to spend the whole week just addressing that, right? So, so it's not a humane way of living. I think it, a much, a, a much like more you know livable, humane way of living is to is to create a system that is uh, like what I call your coffee maker. Your coffee maker doesn't only work on the days when you really work it. It works every single week, every day, every week. You push the button, it makes the coffee, right? I mean, you could be crying, you could be tired, right? All you have to do is push the button, and the coffee maker works. You know, your coffee maker is consistent and it supports you in that sense, right? Because you don't have to be on or not on. All you have to do is like trudge your way to the coffee maker and push the button and it will work. And you want systems that have that kind of reliability to them. And I'll just, if I can yeah. deepen this one second, I'll say that Please? actually I, my, my funny hypothesis here is that people who love making systems, what, is this a cursing or a non-cursing? Of course. Podcast? Okay, okay. Whatever you want. If people who who are who love making systems are the fucking worst at making systems, yep. they overcomplicate it. They build system <laughs> upon system upon system. It's totally nerded out. Nobody wants to work with or for that person because, like, they are literally like plugged directly into Masic with, with wires coming out of them, and nobody wants yeah. to be part of it. And eventually, they even tire of it. Even they go, "Oh yep. my god, this is absurd." I yep. would actually pause it to your listeners now. That if you are lazy, you could actually be the best person to create systems because of what I call advanced laziness. And, and listen to this and tell me if this isn't you to a T. I'm the yeah. kind of person who will spend 30 hours trying to figure something out so that I'd never have to do it every single day, right? Like, because yeah. I know I'm bad with consistency, like I will spend a Herculean amount of effort to get something off my plate because I know I can't do it every single day. Let me ask if that rings any bells for you. Oh, 100%, man. My partner, <laughs> right. Aaron, in, our, in our, uh, our live event business, Front Runner, he'll always say to me, he's like, dude, I love the fact that you built this last week and it took 20 hours and you, built, you rebuilt it this weekend because you worked through it and you realized that there's a problem with it. So you rebuilt the whole thing. I love that. Make sure you send it to me so that I can take your 30 steps and make it three. Yeah. Three really freaking good steps. Yeah. yeah. Totally. And, I, I, and what I think is great about being the kind of person who doesn't like systems is you tend to create systems that other people will like to work with. Yeah. Because if, if your standard is I'm lazy, I don't like systems, and I want it to be as simple and as easy as possible, then if that's your yes. standard, you will probably create systems that other people really dig and like working with because they'll be really gentle to work with. That's right. Do you know Pat Hyben? 
No. And I, 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 when people say people's names and I don't know it, I feel like terrible because I'm sure he's <laughs> no, like, no, it's fine. God, I, dude, I, right? I, I don't think you, I don't know if you would know him. He, he wrote a book called uh, Six Steps to Seven Figures in Real Estate. And, and he's a, he's one of my great mentors. still is. He helped me on my podcast journey um, with his podcast, Real Estate Rockstars, that he sold. He used to tell me all the time, and he would just do this in passing, like in a very aggressive tone, but I took it seriously. He'd go, hey, stop working so fucking hard. <laughs> really, really lazy and really intelligent. And he built this quadrant that showed like lazy and unintelligent in the first quadrant, calling it like the yeah. cash flow quadrant, but the yeah. first quadrant was lazy and, 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 st- and dumb. Then the fourth quadrant was lazy and really intelligent. Yes. He said the people that are really lazy but really intelligent will figure out a way to get shit done real fast so they don't have to work that hard. And that yes. I, 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 I claw into. I, I, I agree with him totally. And, and yeah. my, 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 my different name for the same exact thing is just what I call advanced laziness. You know, like yeah, advanced totally. laziness is where you harness your laziness um, and yeah. use it. And, and use it to create Embrace systems because you, you know that you'll do anything to avoid the work. So, you know, yeah. great. Use that. Totally. You know what's funny? You talked about the coffee maker. I want to go back to that for a second. Something I learned in a in a training course one day, a coach's training course, where we were talking about uh, personal performance and the way that the way that machinery works versus humans because we have language that interrupts our performance and we have yeah. these stories and these things inside. And and he was talking about hacks to get through all the shit in your brain and and actually get out to a place where you can just be in performance and not thinking about what other people are going to think about your performance out here. And I'm too lazy and I'm a little tired and I'm depressed. And he said, look, when you get into a car and you push the gas pedal, what happens? And obviously it goes faster. You push the brake. Obviously it slows down. It's that cut and dry. It's what happens when this happens. It's the action reaction. But he said, you know, what's funny is half of you who are late today, blame traffic they blame that you woke up late because you're tired because you're depressed because you're sad you didn't eat you're hungry whatever no car gives a shit if you're hungry sad tired happy elated whatever if you push the gas pedal no matter what you're feeling this happens yeah or that happens that's it and i love that definition because it explains how complicated humans make themselves by those stories and that language pattern that they keep inside but there are and and, and the only thing i would say to that is that I think there's two paradigms of personal development. There's what I yeah. call like the golden God paradigm. And then there's the Alcoholics Anonymous paradigm, right? And by the way, if you yeah. don't count Alcoholics Anonymous as personal development, you haven't been paying attention. Probably in oh, terms of in terms of complete transformations, right? Like tell me of a paradigm or a system or a t- whatever that could take somebody from like a, bo- a drunk sitting underneath a freeway to like being a a member of society again having businesses and being the deacon of the church right i mean in terms of just raw (laughs) before and after transformations we should be looking at alcoholics and honestly be like those guys are at the top of the pile right god bless tony robbins and them all but like aa for me is at the top right so when i think about like the paradigm of when i contrast these two the 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 golden god paradigm is like oh you're perfect ian you're perfect. You just got to learn to trust yourself, dude. Just, just, just listen to yourself. Like you, you, you will be, you, there's a way that you can operate perfectly and flawlessly in, in this world. If you just learn to listen to this perfect in, internal voice and in AA over on the other side, they're like, Oh no, your voice is all fucked up. You're, you're like, all of your intuitions are all fucked up and, and almost hopelessly. So to the point where you really can't even trust yourself and you need to create yeah. a, you need a completely new paradigm, a completely new logic, a completely, you need to like, because your intuition is going to tell you to go drink and use, right? Yeah. Your intuition is just like going to kill you. So that's the other side of the paradigm, right? Like, you know, your intuition is so, so terribly fucked up that it will kill you. Right. And I'm more on that side. Right. And so I only say yeah. that to say that, like, I, I want to build systems for people assuming they're not going to get any better and actually could see significant regressions in their life. Like I want to create low nets, low bars so, so that they can perform and continue to be a dad and a, and a friend and a deacon of the church or whatever, you know, assuming that not only are they not going to get better, but it's potential at some point in the world in in the future, they could get much, much worse. Right. Um, and and so that's just my approach. Isn't that how most people operate, though? I mean, just think about the general population of society. Don't they operate like that? They don't. I mean, they want I Superman. Operate. They want. 
<laughs> I, I, I just I make no bones about it, man. I'm a very flawed individual. Me too. It, but but there's a part, there's a mix in there. What you were saying that has the surrender or letting go piece in it, but that's calculated surrender. It's not like programmed. It's not like it, it's intentional surrender. Like back off of this, gas pedal down on that. It's not yes. like I'm just gonna let everything go and just pretend like everything's gonna be fine and no matter what I do. Somebody out there is going to take care of it, whether it's a person or God or or the universe or whatever. That's not surrender. Surrender is understanding the path and understanding the parts that you have a responsibility on and that parts that the energy out there has a responsibility on. Because totally, you know, if you totally. want to go deep and I think predetermined I, path, I think you're. I mean, you're on it. I, the, all bringing this back to systems. All I would say is you're going to have days, weeks, and months when you feel like chopping wood with your bare hands, right? You're going to feel like you, you're like, I got this, baby. Yeah, great. Yeah. During that energy, you should create things that will sustain you for the times and the days when the when the tide pulls out. Because the, there's going to be times when the tide pulls out and you fall back into depression or laziness. And, and you know, and, and hopefully if you straight line it, even through the up and down, you know, from the beginning of your life to then, hopefully you have seen an improvement, like a progression. But that doesn't mean that there's not, that you can predict that in a month you're going to feel great. So for me, I would just say with my clients to say, hey, while we're feeling good, while we've got intention and energy, let's make things that – let's build infrastructure, not just do work. Let me, let me just pause and just say that again. Build infrastructure. Don't just do work, right? Let me give a classic example, right, just so we can make this very real. Um, I'm a coach, so I answer the same questions over and over and over and over again to the point where I get to great questions that I'm just like, I don't want to answer this question ever again. If I see this question again, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to jump out of a building because I've, I've been coaching for so long on this that I've so, – so a great way to turn something from just work into infrastructure is to say, you know what? I'm going to answer this question today as good as I've ever answered it before in my entire life. Today's answer is going to yeah. be the answer. I'm going to save it as an email template and when I get those messages and when I get a, a question like this again in the future, I am going to go back and grab this email template and drop it in here, right? I just took work that I'd have to do again and again and even if I answered it perfectly today, I gotta answer it again tomorrow and I turned it into infrastructure, right? It's I did the email, but I did it in such a way, maybe it took me a little bit longer, but I did it in such a way as it became infrastructure for me. Totally. How does that not make sense, dude? How does that not make sense? But I mean, there was a time you know, in my I, life where I didn't get that. Like, I'll admit me it. Too. Me too. I mean, my, in my beginning of my coaching journey, I, you know, I was trying to dial in my style, my method, pulling from all the things that we've learned and trying to make, you know, create my own little program, my own little structure. And, and, it, and, and it started with, all right, look for the patterns. Like somebody told me, mm. just look for the patterns. Every human has the same shit wrong with them. It just happened in a different way. That's it. Like it could be a, 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 this really traumatic event for this guy. And, and it was like a, you know, their mom took a toy from them and gave it to their brother and still trauma registered the same in the brain. Yeah. But the story became much different. And so someone's going to ask you about not being good enough or feeling like an imposter or not being smart enough or not feeling worthy, whatever. That's a pattern. If you have the patterns out, then all you have to do is just figure out the best way to answer, just like you said, and write that out. But I think it takes time on that journey to actually figure out those type of systems and procedures. I think about it or as just a completely different way. I think that like the average human being, like 99.9% of people will approach their day or their week or their life as, as here's, what, here's everything I have to do. Where do I start? Right? And it's very, very natural. Right? Like it's very natural to just like look at the mountain of things in your to-do list or, or coming at you and just say, okay, God, where do I start? Right? And it's very unnatural to say, okay, I'm going to put aside the things that feel like I need to do them right now. And I'm actually going to look through a completely different lens and say, how do I make everything else easier or necessary this week? How do I build infrastructure this week? How do I ephemeralize my life just a little bit more this week? How do I make my life 1% easier to live this week? I'll give you another, I love examples because I think sometimes when Please. we talk in generalities, like, so I, I, I just, I had a, a baby girl about eight, 17 months ago, right? 
Um, my wife is very precise. She's like, you said 18. It was 17. Um, so <laughs> so I had a baby girl 17 months ago. And our, my deal with my wife is I get up in the mornings, right? And so um, I get up in the mornings. I grab the baby, do the, all the baby stuff. And I've got this baby in, like, in one arm. And I was going to my kitchen. We live in Columbia, so we have a cook down here. So if I say we have a cook, please don't like think that I'm like French royalty or anything. We just live in Columbia, <laughs> right? So, um, so my cook has like put all of the ingredients for making coffee on practically – the four corners of the kitchen. And so I'm, I'm with a baby in one arm. I, I'm trying to make coffee with one arm. I probably took 10,000 steps in that kitchen just to get one cup of coffee. And I finally was just like, dude, no, I'm not going to do this anymore. And I, I, I literally gave the baby to my wife when she woke up and I went back in the kitchen and I consolidated everything into like one kitchen station that was right next to the fridge so that every single day with one hand, I can get in and out of the kitchen in 10 minutes with a cup of coffee, right? Now, it was taking me like 20 minutes. So that's 10 minutes every single day that I'm saving. You better believe I'm having coffee every single day, like seven days a week, 365 days a year. So, so I'm saving 10 minutes, seven days a week, 365 days a year, like now going on two years, right? A lot of people won't add that time up and, and, and count it, but I count that. I'm like, that was crucial. How much is it? I mean, gosh, you got to do the math, but it's 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 like two. I think I calculated it's like two work weeks. Hours. Yeah, like two hundred <laughs> hours in one freaking year, dude. But from a change of just like you know what, oh, sorry, like, minutes, minutes. Yeah, yeah, thirty six hundred minutes. Yeah. 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 Um, and I think I, cal- I I I could be wrong here, but I calculated that as being like two work weeks, like enough. If you were if those were waking waking minutes, that's that's. That's enough waking minutes to basically give you back two working weeks, right? And so I think people tend to look for grandiose examples of creating infrastructure in their life, right? They're looking for the big stuff. Like, dude, I'm going to I'm gonna erase my business and start from a tabula rasa and rebuild it. And it's like, dude, you're not going to live through that. You're going to die on the <laughs> – like, <right>. you know, <laughs> you've got to look for the small stuff. Yeah, yeah you're going to yeah. die in a field. <laughs> so true. Yeah, you really will. You will. You can't harvest corn by yourself. You just can't. You need a team. You can't get the ears off and go get the tractor and then go get the truck and then deliver it. To, you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, well and I always you tell know, people, they a, say, Tamir. A... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, a lot of people say, Tamir, where should I start? And I always say, like, yeah. it just if you kept a notepad next to your computer and just instead of calling that notepad systems, if you just rent annoyed. If you put it at the top of that notebook, annoyed, <laughs> right? And just as things were happening and annoying the hell out of you, like annoyed that I'm processing 300 emails, annoyed that I missed that sales email and lost that money, annoyed that people are interrupting. Like if you just wrote down lists of things that were frustrating you, you'd realize that what's happening there is there's a system that is either not well designed or not intentionally designed at all, right? And so often yeah. your your annoyances, your frustrations are actually the cue for where you should start thinking about Working on systems. Okay, so you've answered this email 300 times and you're sick of answering it? Great. Start there. Make that. The next time you answer that email, write an email template. You you have now created a micro system that is going to save you, you know, like over the course of the next two years, it's going to probably save you, you know, 300 minutes minimum in answering this email, right? And and so I, I think a lot of people are looking for that. No, I need to start from the 5,000 foot view and redesign my whole business. And I'm a big advocate of like, start, start with what's going wrong today, right? And, and look for things that you can fix in five minutes, right? Because if you play that game, getting 1% better every single day, there's a great James Clear. Uh, if you, if you want to oh, check yeah. this out, 1% better James Clear. If you Google that, you'll come up with a great yeah. James Clear blog post where he talks about like, he actually does the math of getting 1% better every single day yeah. where that takes you by the end of the year. It's, it's exponential. You know, it's, it's interesting. I use the, uh, the, the farmer's field mentality, the cornfield mentality or, or visual because die, you're going to die in the field. You cannot step 5,000 feet over the field like you're talking about. You just can't. Yeah, yeah. Right away. You got to figure out how the, how the system works to get the corn planted and grown and watered and fed and then harvested. You got to yeah. do that from the ground. Yeah, But then yeah. eventually you'll get up to that place where – you're in a little plane and you're flying over your crops, yeah, checking yeah. out your 100,000 acres instead of your one acre because your crews are working that shit. But it all comes from you saying, okay, if I dig it like this and plant it like this, let me write that down. Then when I do it like this and do it like this, let me write that down because I've done it for the last 50 years and I watched my dad do it for 50 years and I want to yep. get the hell out of this fucking field. 
Yep. That's what you do. One little step at a time. It's so interesting that a lot of people can't get that. But also well, remember our society. It's instantaneous. It's grandiose. It's Instagram shit on yachts and mansions and right? Like that's the thing. I, mean, I don't hear, I don't even, even though you made an explanation. I don't blame people at all. I mean, I I'm the, the funny thing is I was not born organized. Like I'm not that guy who was born like organizing a sock drawer. Like I'm yeah. like I'm one of those guys who had a, like a, a nearly religious conversion from being – I was the hustler guy, right? I lived in New <laughs> right. York. Like I don't, if anybody knows my story, the short version is basically I almost uh, – I was diagnosed by my doctors in New York with salary man sudden death syndrome. I was working like 80, 90 hours a week in New York City. Um, my body stopped working. My digestive system wasn't working. My doctors were like – what is this? It's not, it's not Crohn's. It's not ulcerative colitis, but it's just like weird. We haven't seen it. Like, um, this is serious, right? Like we had, I had three surgeries and, uh, and finally one of my doctors was smart enough to be like, dude, um, how much are you working per week and living in New York and living that New York lifestyle? Yeah. I proudly announced, I'm like, dude, I work like 90 hours a week. Like I bragged about it. I was like, yeah, man, I'm right, like, exactly. I, I work like 90 hours a week, baby. Like I was that guy who like wore the busy badge all day, every yeah. day, worked eight, 90 hours a week to frankly get 30 hours worth of real – 30, 40 hours worth of real work done. Like staying nights and weekends thinking I was a badass but all my coworkers were feeling sorry for me. Like why can't that guy get his work done? Like, But I was in that – in my own mind, I was thinking I'm the guy. I'm the guy, man. I'm the – I'm the uh, the Gary Vaynerchuk man. I'm the hustler. I I get to work before anybody else. I leave after. I the reason I don't blame people is because I fully invested in that paradigm, and you know, and and only after I had completely bankrupted that and was like my my doctor was literally like, dude, you could probably you could die if not like die. be carrying a colostomy bag for the rest of your life. You need to make a change. Like so, I I was forced to to change my paradigm. So I'm very gentle and I think understanding when people are are not approaching it from that way because like I would still be out there right now today living that life yeah. if I hadn't you might be dead, been slapped across the face, dead. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, it, same thing happened to me except I have Crohn's. I've had it for a yeah. long time. And and um, But I was stuck in that mentality and let's talk about that for a second. That, that hustle, that want, need to work because I was working – for my dad's business, I was working between 80 and 100 hours a week. I was living at the warehouse most nights. Even when yeah. I met my, where, my wife, I, I had no home. I literally lived at the warehouse yeah. because I was so scared because there's depth there, right? It's not just you're just a hustler. That's stupid. Like, there's depth there. I was so scared that I'd be nobody without the money and the success and the power and all the shit that I had gotten that I, I couldn't understand how to stop. And yeah. my health was declining and my relationships were failing and I hated myself. But I couldn't get off the wheel. I love that yeah. salary man sudden death syndrome. I've never heard it put like that. That's, Look it up, man. Really it's a real thing. That, that's where you hear it's people really in happened. Korea and Japan like just dying at yeah. their desk. You know, yeah. young, healthy people. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, man, I could not I could not agree with you more. I mean, I'll just give you my version of that. My version of that was sure. that I learned to perform for love. Right? And my parents aren't bad yeah. people. They're great people. They they just they thought they were doing something really great to tell me. To, to hold back, they were holding back a little love if I got the B because they knew I could get the A, right? But what I received yeah. from that was, I'm not worthy of love if I don't perform, right? I've got to, per but you know, of course, like me being a crazy idiot, like I took that to like the degree, <laughs> a level that my parents never would have intended, right? So it's not on them, right? right? It's just it's just getting to know myself and realizing what programming went wrong in my brain is I just latched onto that that message. Right. And I just was like, great. I made that whole message my life. Like I am like, I'm only worthy of my girlfriend because of the job that I have. I'm only worthy as a person because of the role that I'm playing. And even at work, I'm only, I can only compare to other people because I work as much or more than them. Like, so I just, yes. I just turned the volume way up on that simple message. And it's just because the show, like even like a very innocuous message could be latched on by a human being and then like turned up to 12 and, and people are like, dude, I'm not like that, dude. Like relax, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that trauma, man? Like that's the trauma we were talking about earlier. Same thing happened to me. I was telling, I was, I was on a, um, uh, teaching a, a group about 50 guys right before this. And I said, you know, for me, it was, um, I was watching jeopardy one day. I was thinking I was 10 or 11 in, in the kitchen. My mom was cooking dinner and I think she remembers this. And I answered three questions in a row. Yeah. My mom turned around, and it's not that my mom was very loving, over loving, helicoptery. 
Yeah. Right? Yeah. But at that moment, she turned around and I got full out attention. She stopped cooking dinner. She turned the stove off and sat yeah. down with me and said, oh, my God, I'm so proud of you. How do you know all this? You're so smart. And in yeah. that moment, I said, in order to get love, I've got to be the smartest person in the room. No shit. Yeah. And that lasted with me for a very long time. So I knew that the smarter per smartest person in the room was also the best hustler, which made the most money. So now if I make the most money and I'm the smartest person in the room, shower me with love. Man. Yeah. Shower me but with also love. Just add, it, add to that yeah. that we, we have these messages that come to us through culture, like, like the Protestant yeah. work ethic. Like you're a better person if you work harder than the next guy. Right. I, my, my dad never said Horrible. that to me. Right. Never. But, but I received it. I received it through just like right. in it's in the water. It's like fluoride. You know, it's just it's there. Right. We get these messages, <laughs> right. you know, in the water. Um, that's one of the coolest things I like about my wife is she didn't get a lot of these memos because she was homeschooled. So like so a lot of the things okay. that annoy me about about other not just women, but people about other people in general. Yeah. She's never got these messages because she was homeschooled, you know, and she was able to sort of like make her own decisions about how the world work in those formulae formative years. And so not to make that about homeschooling, but just to say that like we receive these messages, like we receive them yeah. either from our parents or, or whatever. And, and then we amplify them in weird, you know, sort of, you know, counterintuitive ways. Yeah. You know, I, I want to talk to you something about, about the, the, the mentality while we're on this. And I, and I still remember, we're going to talk about the dad thing in a second. I, I, I yeah, want to sure. talk to you and ask you a question about it's a, it's a topic that comes up every coaching call. It's a topic that comes up on every stage I'm on or any um, uh, webinar or, or event that I do. And that's in the, the, the being versus doing analogy or example or exercise or whatever you want. And, and, and our culture is so geared. You know, you're talking about Gary Vee and, and nothing against Gary Vee with that hustle porn mentality it doesn't work for everybody and it'll burn people and it'll create that sudden that uh, salary man sudden death syndrome and if it's not in actual death it's in death of the way you treat yourself the way you show up to your family the way you show up for for your colleagues and coworkers and and your life in general like that is a death this is a slow death a much slower death than a coronary at your desk what's your take on that in terms of how someone can step out of all that rat wheel doing busy work and actually start to understand and know themselves, like hacks yeah. for that. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I think about hacks, I just think about like, I love this idea of the long cut versus the shortcut. Sometimes we're like looking for shortcuts. I don't know if this ever happened to you, but I've had so many times in my life where I look back after five years of taking shortcuts and been like, dude, none of those shortcuts worked. And I actually would have gone way sooner and shorter if I just yep. done it right the first time. So so I think yeah. the hack here is to just stop looking for shortcuts and do, do the work. Although I will say, so um, for anybody who wants to get curious about their inner world, I think there's a book that I just love uh, called Self Therapy by Jay Early. Self Therapy by Jay Early. For anybody who wants to be better, be more coachable and get more from your coaching relationships. Um, if you ever, you know, leverage a personal development guru or, or even a therapist or any, any kind of self-help group, um, you'll get so much better more. Uh, it just puts an acceleration on all your personal development. This book is, it really is IFS internal family systems boiled down into something that you can use on yourself. A lot of people will tell me like, Oh, Demir, but you know, they look at self-development or self-knowledge as this like multi-year, you know, climbing Mount Everest journey. And I always just say, like, I think when one good 90 minute walk, you can learn a lot about yourself with the right tools. Mm -hmm. Like, and so I, I do these like personal development walks where, you know, I, I, you know, I think, I think listening to that book, the audio version of that book and taking a 90 minute walk, like a person can peel a whole freaking layer off of what's going on inside of them. Maybe not all the layers, mm -hmm. but they can get a whole layer off in, in a good, solid, focused 90-minute walk of like, okay, like I'm looking for my – like there's a part of me that's doing this thing. What is that part needing? What is that – where is that part reacting? To? Like so I – you know, my take on personal development is, man, you'd be – like it, this is not 11 or even 100 sessions with a therapist. To me, like yeah. the right tools and a good 90-minute walk and you'd be stunned at what you can figure out about yourself. Love that. But that goes back to the James Clear thing you were talking about. 1% over time. It's like one degree off course over time is a lot. 
And it's exponential. Yeah. It's not like one plus one plus one plus one. It's like one plus two, two plus two, four plus four. It, it really grows like that. I, and, um, I mean, I just want to be clear. I did this today. Like, so today, yeah. I figured something out about myself. So today, I figured out that there's a part of me that likes to be called the doer. I wouldn't call it the doer, but it likes to be called the doer. And the doer is the yeah. part of me um, that can't stop doing shit. It just cannot fucking stop. Like it is, it, it will always stay busy even when I'm trying to relax with my kid. It is trying to figure out what is next. Go, baby. Go, baby. Go. Like there's something happening and you're missing it and, and you need to be on, buddy. And I realized like when I really got got into the doer, started communicating with the doer, I realized what is trying to protect me from is from a childhood where sure. um, where thing, a lot of things went wrong. Right. A lot of things. And even when things started to seem like they were finally going right, then they went wrong again. Right. So I had a very persistent sense that uh, that I was behind the ball and that and that things were happening to me, that I wasn't in control, that things were that my that my environment was happening to me. I wasn't happening to my environment. And so imagine like a kid like that is going to create a comp compensatory part of them. That's like, great. OK, I'm going to get ahead of things. I want to be ahead of the ball. I want to see a mile down the road, right? And so my doer, you could look at it two different ways. You could see why, why do I have this part of me that won't let me relax, that won't let me be present with my daughter and like just enjoy having a cup of coffee in the morning. Why do I always need to feel like I need to do something? Or you could get, get intimate with that part and be like, okay, what is the positive intention that part has for me? What does it, what does it think at least that it's doing for me? Well, and let's give it some credit. What does it actually do for me, right? Yeah. And now, yeah. I figured that out about myself today on a on a ninety minute walk, right? It's just a coincidence that that we're we're talking today. So I just want to be clear that it's like, you know, when people, I, I think putting it up on a pedestal and saying I need to do a hundred sessions with a therapist to to figure anything out about me, um, it's both lazy, but it's also dangerously incorrect because it's a way of saying. It's a way of putting it away from yourself and saying, oh, well, then if I can't afford the time or I can't afford the money to do that, then I guess I can't do personal development. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Is there, I mean, is that a shirk of responsibility? I mean, a total shirking of responsibility? It's just a, in a, in a, because we know, we all know people that, that go into personal development in air quotes to work on themselves for a lifetime so that they can tell people, well, I, went to UP, I went to UPW, I've been to UPW 15 times, and I look at people like at a party, and they're like, oh, you've been to UPW? I'm like, and they'll say, like, what do you do? And I go, well, I'm a, I'm a coach. What kind of coach? Well, personal performance, development, things like that. Cool, yeah, that's awesome. I've been to UPW 15 times. I'm like, awesome. What did it do for you? And they'll go, yeah. um, you know, I, lear I learned a lot. Learned a lot from it. I'm like, what? wonderful. What, what, what challenges in your life did you solve from it? 15 freaking times? That's like, four, you know, it's 45 hours and 40 degree weather inside torture what did you do i love and i love you i've crewed it many times and they can't tell you but they are proud yeah. of shit to tell you that they've been 15 times but they went to go not they, they didn't go to learn or to fix something or to try something or to evolve something or, or you know build something inside of them it's just it blows I my mean, mind I, I can't judge somebody spending their money on whatever entertains them but for people who have limited time limited money here's here's my fault here's my crack when 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 i have a client who tells me i don't know where to start and they come in with a perception that it is going to take hundreds of hours i don't i have no judgment around them but once i tell you read this book and take a 90 minute walk and every single time you read another chapter of this book and take a 90 minute walk you will peel a significant layer off if you don't do it then i judge you Right, so I'm yeah. not judging you for thinking it takes too long because that's a common misconception. I'm not judging you for not knowing which book to read. That's that's a really difficult thing to figure out. But once somebody, when you when you complain about something and somebody gives you the tool and proves to you that it doesn't take that long and you still don't do it, now I know for sure that you're full of shit. Right now I know for sure that you don't really want it because I, I just told you like, and what does the book cost? You know, even if you're gonna buy the audiobook, what does it cost? Like twenty four bucks? I mean, it's like bucks, twenty bucks, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the that's the one of the big takeaways from today is that you don't have to get into this grandiose thing and commit a year of your life and hundreds of thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours. You literally can just take a walk with a book if you're paying attention and you're present. You can't be like on your phone on Facebook listening to the book while you're walking because your brain is not picking shit up. You're, you're more focused on the, whatever other people are doing.
But if you're if you're taking that walk and you're focusing on this book and walking, then that is an exercise in itself. Not just the, the audio, but the fact that you're giving yourself that time, that you're giving yeah. yourself that care and love, that you're committing to something in your own growth and development. There's a lot of layers there. And that's why oh, it'll lift totally. layers off. And I got to give a shout out to my boy, Cal Newport, for the, the sort of what I call the base of that, uh, that idea. Like Cal really turned me on in his book, Deep Work, to the idea of like a walking meditation. Like, that's, that's hey, don't just about, walk, right? but like, but carve off a problem in your life or a blog post that you want to write, like not with your, not with your camera, like, keep it in your head. Like, you know, practice being like, okay, what are the, what do I want to say in this blog post? What, what are the main three points? You know, like, and I'll come back from a 90 minute walk and be like, I've got the whole blog post done, ready. All I, all I need to do is bang it out now, you know? And, and so big shout out to Cal for, for like turning me on. Cause I walk a lot. But I was walking in a very passive sort of like, oh, I'm just going to listen to a podcast and drift. Like, yeah, and yeah. Cal really got me to like, the, like no, walk, but z- r- laser in. Bring yourself laser, in. Yeah. Like, focus in on something. Now, look, walking and just zoned out for a guy like you or a guy like me, that's a big step. That's a huge step because we're so used to like being at the computer and even though you're working 90 and only actually putting in 30 or putting in 90 but only getting 30 of productivity out of it that break that walk still productive and the next level of that is be intentional be laser focused like a i always equate it to a water jet a water jet at let's say it's 3000 psi will slice through steel but at 2500 psi it's a fucking mess it's a mess but when you (laughs) focus that energy and attention (laughs) right you go from a puddle of water, like a bucket of water, which is, which is just there, to channeling it into pressure, to channeling it into a, a, a funnel. Yeah. And the, at the end of that funnel is ultimate concentration and focus. That energy will slice a, a block of steel wide open with a clean cut when it's focused. That's the same thing with the human mind. Same thing. But you've got to stage up I, to that. You've got to break your desk habit and just go for a walk at lunch. Don't go with your buddies and eat cheeseburgers and shit it. TGI Fridays, why anybody eats there, I don't know. My personal problem. But don't do that. Break, break that habit up, right? Like, break that habit up. Start something that's a little healthier for you. Maybe you bring in a salad to work and you take that 30-minute walk. Don't worry about how great it goes. Just do the activity for a second. You'll build some habits, yeah. and then you can start zeroing in. Right? Is that right? Dude, I, I agree 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Let's make sure that we catch we, we talk about this kid thing because that's something that you and I share and have in common. And I know it doesn't have to do with life hacks, even though we can probably spin it into a life hack in some capacity. I'm sure you I mean can. it's all connected. If we pull the one thread it's long enough, connected. we'll get to everything. Yes. yes. <laughs> that's right. So you said something to me about um, being a father, a new father, right? You have an eighteen month old, nineteen month well, listen, you better be real accurate because uh, by the let's time get accurate. June, seventeen you get real old. accurate. <laughs> But Today it, is when May twentieth. <laughs> when this comes out, though, she'll be eighteen, and Carrie's gonna listen and be like, "You should have done the math." <laughs> you got to do the math. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, uh, we we had a. You, you asked me before the podcast, like, "Hey, like, what's on your mind?" And you know, um, especially being men on purpose podcast and like the specific like topic of this mm-hmm. podcast, I think you know one of my friends really saved my butt as a new father. And, and he saved my butt because like about three months in when I was really secretly struggling with like, why am I not connecting with my daughter? Why am I not connecting with being a father? I've always been a softy real, like I, I assumed and most people assumed about me that I would take to fatherhood like a fish in water and I was just flopping around, like not, not connecting, not just not connecting to her, not connecting to the role. And one of my friends saved my butt by simply telling me, hey dude, it's okay if it takes you to the like two years old to connect to them and to connect to the role. And it saved me because like this guy had a great relationship with his daughter and it made me feel like, Oh, okay. It's not like it's over. It's, you know, like, it's not like I missed something like it's okay to take a while to edge into it. Um, and I, I, I think part of the reason I, that came up and I mentioned that is, uh, I think it's, the kind of message that maybe other people need to hear, especially first time fathers to hear this, like, you know, it's okay. Like keep trying. I'm not giving you a pass to like not try. Right. You know, but, but, but like, 
But it's okay to try and not judge yourself or despair or think what's wrong with me or like what's wrong with them worse. Like what's wrong with my wife and my daughter? Why are they connecting to me? Like it's okay for like, this thing to take something on the order of a year and a half to two years to really somewhere in there it just clicks in. Yeah. But think about the logic. Forget about the emotion because the emotion's running nuts, man. You, you actually – you have this new life that you've created in a way – you know, you created – and it's a new job. However, at the same time, your emotions are running. You're saying something about yourself. You're saying something to yourself. I got to do this. This is my new job. But every new job takes time. You just don't have that type of emotional connection in most new jobs. I mean, it took me a good 18 months to 24 months with my daughter, who's uh, five and a half now. And like, if you look at me on Facebook, people will ask me, they're like, dude, how, do you, how are you such a great, purposeful, present dad? And I'll say, yeah. because I wasn't one. Yeah, because I wasn't one, and and I learned this. I I hacked this thing. Like I'm running a bunch of different businesses, and I'm trying to you know maintain and grow a relationship with my wife and myself, and and run a coaching business where I help others grow a relationship with themselves and work on themselves. And when my daughter came along, it was like, well, well, now what do I do? And like I was saying to you, I all I kept thinking was, is this it? Like this, all these guys who all these guys who the you know the Three months in, and they, you see a picture or you see this video or they tell you, like, oh, my God, it's my entire life. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, fuck you. No way, man. No way. Because all the guys that I'm talking to who are, at, are honest about it, seriously, I was, that was my attitude. Because I'm like, no, nah, I mean, I'm, I'm an emotional guy. I'm emotionally connected. I have, I'm in touch with my feelings. Why can't I feel what I'm that supposed was the worst. to feel? That, w- that was the right. worst. Like, I, I think I created an expectation that I was going to nail it out of the gate. Or even like I gave myself like three months and even after three months and I, and, and I started to feel like there was like a like – I call it the inner circle. Like my wife yeah. like like took to the role immediately. The baby took to her. She took to the baby. Like there was an inner circle where things were working. I just wasn't in it. Do you know what I'm saying? Like I was on the oh, outer circle sort of like – Yeah, I mean I, I, we, it? Could give it a, we could give it a bunch of reasons. It just made me despair, right? Like I, was, I just felt like – I, the baby wasn't connecting to me. Didn't want to be, it didn't want to like hang out with me, lay with me, be held by me, be fed by me. Just only wanted to be with the the mother, you know. And then like you know, and then even Carrie, like even in the role that, with her, like it felt like Carrie was always two steps ahead, and I was two steps behind of like what needed to happen. And of course, in the first year, things change so fast, right? Like what they need in the first three months and the rhythms in the first three months are different than. You know, like when they're not, when they're six or nine months, right? And so, like, it felt like just when I was getting to the point where I had the hang of anything, then it changed, and I like sort of fell off the the wagon again. And I say this all just to say that maybe there's somebody out there listening right now that just totally. needs to hear that it's like, dude, hang on, like, keep yeah. trying, right? Like, and, and hang on, keep trying, and it will click. It, like, especially around that, you can look forward to that year and a half to two year yeah. mark. You know, for me, it was like things really started to warm up in a positive way for me once she turned a year. But gosh, when yeah. she like that that year and a half was just a sweet spot. And now she's like, you know, she's asking for me when she well, the other day talking, yeah. she hurt herself and came to me instead of to the mom. And I was like, yeah, I'm like, oh, my God, like, what a win, you know, like, <laughs> like, you know, so it gets better. That's all. That's all. I'm sending a message in a bottle to somebody out there. <laughs> Dude. I, I'm going to tell you right now, we are going to get feedback on that. Like, thank you for saying that because I feel like such an asshole. You know, there's some guy out there who's like, man, why am I not connected? Like, I read a really great book, and I forget the author. Um, it's called The, Hi- the Happiness Hypothesis. And he talks oh, yeah. in there about the, the bond between mother and child and the non-bond between dad and child because that's not how the universe, God, the earth, it's not how they created it. The, 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 the mother and child have to bond. They have to if the mother's there. They have to bond. That's crucial for development, brain development, whatever. And I, I read that because I wanted to really understand why am I not feeling this thing? Like I get it. There's a cute baby in my house, and I'm hugging and changing diapers. And I'm kissing the baby, and I'm and I'm like, cool. What do you do with this thing? Well, the mom has a job to feed the baby, care for the baby, be with the baby, bond with the baby. But the father, in my opinion, in my experience. I didn't feel like I had a role. I felt like I had a role as a provider. So when my daughter was born five and a half years ago, I stepped in harder into business and harder into partying 
and making myself happy on the outside because I, I technically, I, I'm not saying lost my wife, but my wife didn't need me at that point. My yeah. wife needed to be yeah, with yeah, my yeah, daughter. Yeah. My daughter needed my wife. They didn't need me. I just, and, and then my trauma kicked in and I was like, fuck, I guess my dad was right. I am just a provider. So I'll just keep bringing home bigger checks. And maybe I'll get that love. Right. That's how I, that's how my trauma yeah. worked. And then my daughter was very smart. She's, she's, she, she, she advanced very quickly. And, and, um, and I remember it like maybe a year old, like she was already saying dad, dad, she was saying like 20 words. And I was like, okay, I'm feeling this now. She's coming to me, hugging my leg. I remember the first time she hugged me, where I didn't have to put her little arms around me. Yeah, she yeah, yeah. Me and I, dude, I, I can, I will feel that squeeze, that pressure on my, around my neck. I will feel that to the day I die. That's when it clicked for me, and we yes. bonded. Yes. And, and I was like, cool. But then after that first year, my wife said to me, and I tell this story a lot. I want a divorce, and I was yeah. like, what? I've been in personal development. What are you talking about? I read 65 books this year. I made a million dollars. What are you fucking, what are you nuts? I'm working on myself. She yeah. goes, yeah, well, it's not, it's not working here. It's not working. So disconnected <laughs> and distant, right? <laughs> You've been disconnected, distant, uh, only focused on business and going out and partying with your friends. Like, oh, we need you here. And, and, and I said, well, look, the truth be told, like, I'm miserable. I, I really hate my life. I hate myself. Yeah. I hate my life. I hate selling real estate and, and, I love the clients and I love the money. And I'll be honest with that now that I'm out of their business, but coaching is very different for me. That's my passion, my mission. I found my passion through that mission. But what she said to me, what I, was, I started to get emotional. It's the first time I really ever showed emotion to my wife. And I kind of broke myself down and I let, I let it happen. And I said, what the fuck do I do? I've been doing therapy and work and personal development exercises and masterminds and all this shit. Like, what else do I do? What do I do? And she just looked at me and she said, are you really the model of a man that you want your daughter to attract into her life one day? And I fucking mm. lost it, dude. I, something in, it's like a bone broke inside my rib cage and hit my heart. And I was like, I'm not. I'm not. I hate my life. I hate myself. And she was like, then you need to work on that. Because your daughter, she goes, forget about me. You can trade me in for the next model. But you can't trade her and she can't trade you. Yeah. So she said, basically, you, you can you can trade me in, but you can't trade her in. She can't trade you in. This you're her dad, and and I took that really seriously. And I started to work on me. I started to work on who I was as a person, not what I did for a living, not what justified my value. I started to really find and understand my value inside. That helped my connection get even better with her. Yeah. Yeah, dude, it's amazing. I mean. I, you know, for for me, you know, I think what really helped was for me to finally, you know, I just sort of, I had a breakdown moment too. And I just told my wife, I was like, man, I just, I feel like I'm on, I'm not in the inner circle. So like whatever you can do to, you know, to help me get into in, the inner circle. And she really respected that and started like creating opportunities for, for us to all three cuddle together or be together, you know, or, you know, to, to, you know, and I, obviously, you know, a lot of, a lot of guys talk about feeling like a functionary inside, like, you know, especially when that first child is born, um, it just feels like it, it, everything just becomes completely functionary. Right. Um, and so, you know, my wife really made an extra special effort to make it feel like we weren't just roommates taking care of like a baby, you know, for us to actually like have some loving moments and speak kindly to each other. And like, you know, that, that kind of stuff made me feel like I was on the inside because I saw what I saw was this beautiful, just the most tender, loving relationship happening. Just wasn't, I wasn't involved in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> with my just wife and another person, you know, Where, and then, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Yes. Like I had lost all of the tenderness and love that I had, but I wasn't involved in this new tender loving relationship. So I got to give mad props to my wife for recognizing that and creating a space, you know, for me to be welcomed in and, and get, get some love and some tenderness back. Yeah. I love that, man. There's just, um, there's so much, there's so much you can do from that breakdown. There's so much that my, that, that has built my life and who I am today from that breakdown. And I, and I, I credit that breakdown. I love that breakdown. My daughter will find out about it. Cause obviously she's going to listen to this podcast, but who I am for her and for my wife, most of the time, I think according to my wife, <laughs> most of the time is, 
is 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 the purposeful dad yeah. and husband that I should be. Then I'm the business guy. Then I'm the you know I'm a model of a man. So I have a man on purpose. Like I want to be the model of yeah. a man on purpose. Men on purpose make mistakes. We fuck up stuff, but we have to have we have to have apologies in there. We have to understand ourselves and know when and when know when we should fight for what we believe and when we should just say you know what you're right. I, I messed up. I'm sorry. And that's the that, I think that's the biggest thing. We got to keep it simple. Don't don't overcomplicate it like you were talking about. Yeah, don't you know. Just I, I guess I guess thing. final thought on on this thing. My wife and I made I, yep. I think a really cool agreement at the beginning of a relationship. We agreed that we were not going to coach each other. That if we needed a coach or a therapist, that we would hire one. But that we by marrying each other, I'm I'm like her cut man. She's my cut man. We're not there to critique each other or. Even if we could see something so obvious, we're not, we're not there to coach each other, right? She can get a coach. She can get a therapist, right? Um, I'm just there to support her. I'm in her corner 100% of the time, right? Um, and we also said we made a promise to each other that we would never stop trying to improve. But we also in the same breath said, yep. but we also recognize that it's not always going to be the improvement that the other person wants to see. So, you know, I, I can see that my wife – is constantly working on herself and she can see that I'm constantly working on myself. It's just never the, it's, I'm never working on the exactly the thing she wants me to be working on. She's never working on exactly the thing, but it all, right. it, it all comes out in the wash in the end. It really does. I really believe that. It does. It does. That's a great point, man. Like, you know, my wife's a, a really great coach. She's, she's on her coaching journey now. And, and obviously I have a big coaching business and, she, I have to remind myself, like, I can't coach her. She, I'll let her coach me because she's a, she's a great accountability partner for me. However, I, I can't coach her. She doesn't want that. She doesn't listen. And I'm not her coach. I'm yeah, her man. I'm there to support her. And I am, I, I fail on that a lot more than I succeed. <laughs> to be honest, I fail on that a lot more than I succeed. However, the, what, what I said on uh Last podcast with uh, Paul Shepard, I said, look, what we intentionally do is we stress test our relationship daily, daily to make sure that when big shit, when stuff happens, that it's not a it's not a freight train yeah. going over a bike bridge. It's a freight train going over a freight train bridge that's just a little shaky, but we're not going to lose it and the thing's not going to plummet 400 feet in the water and everybody dies. Like, it's going to be okay. You know, we stress test the relationship. I learned that from a, a friend of mine, a relationship coach named Brennan Watt. I had him on the podcast a long time ago, and he said, "Got to stress test your relationship." Number one piece of advice, and I followed it, man. I stuck to it, and we built plans around stress testing because we stress test communication, we stress yeah. test sharing, we stress test what we want from each other, what we want from life, our visions, our goals, money, contribution, all that's laid out. We actually do that on our date nights first about our life. We cast our life vision and plan every week, and then our date night is clear: no phones, yeah. no kids, no work, just us. And that's 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 cool. It's hard, yeah, than yeah. <laughs> but you know, I and I have a and I have a 15 month old upstairs too. Now and guess what, dude? I still wasn't connected to him for yeah. till nine, month nine. Yeah, even though I had one before, I was a different dad, different guy. I was a different, very very present dad. But you know what? My son was born. Pandemic hit last February. Pandemic hit. And I bought this podcast and I gas pedaled down in my coaching business and I started to wrap my real estate business and I said to my wife, I need time. And she goes, good, take it. Sleep in the guest room, do your thing, whatever you need to do, I support you. And she did and do for like six months. I slept in the guest room and, and worked on the podcast and worked on the coaching Amazing. business, worked on myself and was always present, went for walks every day with my daughter and, and dinners every night. But I had to make some sacrifices and it helped me grow into where it wasn't 18 months, it was eight months and then my son price like i was just immediately involved with this kid that's awesome that was cool well thank you for letting me like take a take a second and you know get that off my chest i don't know why it just felt like that was something that needed to be said today dude you know somebody got something out of that and let's wrap on that note let's wrap on that it's probably Uh, yeah (laughs) dude cut whatever you want for this i just had a blast man but yeah man No, we're this straight through, dude. Everything you said is going to be valuable to the people. I don't care that my <laughs> mic cut out. I don't care that I have technical problems. We keep pushing, man. We keep going. Um, so, Demir, dude, thank you. To tell everybody where they can find you, you're, you're, dude, you have free resources. And I'll tell everybody in the intro, but just tell everybody again where they can find you and get, get, yeah, yeah. So, so, um, I mean, 
the, the easiest way to get to know us a little bit is check us out at lifehackmethod.com. That's lifehackmethod.com. Um, we've got a ton of free resources that you can download, and it connects you to videos we have on YouTube. And so, um, you know, we recognize that we're, you know, we have a sort of helpful marketing paradigm that we operate with, which is, you know, we, we put out a lot of free content out there. So, um, you know, please avail yourself of all the free content that we have around how to get more organized and how to get some freedom in your life and get some sanity. And, and even if you never work with us, but just get one thing from one of our free resources, like that would make me super, super happy. Um, you can also, uh, you know, one of our most popular things that we put out is our winning the week webinar where I show people how to win their week every single week by pre-planning the week in 30 minutes or less in the right way. Um, it's just, you know, it really is a, a big hit for us. People love that webinar. Um, so um, why don't I send a link to you afterwards, Ian? Maybe you could put it in the show notes and people can yeah. check that out. Um, because I can tell you right now that, you know, people ask me all the time, Ian, like, okay, I'm, I'm busy. I, I can't, I can't absorb everything you're going to teach me to but what's the one thing I can do the smallest thing to get the biggest result, in my productivity. And I always <laughs> say the same thing. You've got to plan your week every single week ahead of time. Um, and we show you how yeah. to do that in 30 yeah. minutes or less. Uh, so if that's something that sounds interesting, people can do that. And that's also free. Love that, man. Absolutely love that. This has been, uh, it's been a super treat. I know the audience is going to get a ton out of it. I'm very grateful for your time. And uh, one day we're going to meet in person. When Dude, I come down to we've got overflow space. Don't, don't, don't threaten. Uh, I'll take you up on it. it. Come on down here. <laughs> no, bro. I'm the kind of guy. I'm the kind of guy that if somebody, if, if like, what, if I ask you to do the dishes and you say like, yeah, sure. No problem. Like I don't say, <laughs> Oh no, don't worry about it. Your ass is doing dishes with me. <laughs> so, I do. I'm serious. I'd love to come down and hang out with you. I've never been. I'll tell you that the problem with Medellin is it's hard getting people to visit you here, but it's even harder to get them to leave. That's the, that's, that's Medellin for you. Yes. Yes. I love that, man. Well, I I, pencil me in. I'm done. I'm I'm moving to LA in, in, in about six weeks. I'll be a little bit closer. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe a little bit closer. Um, yeah, dude, this has been great. So thank you and everybody check out uh check out lifehackmethod.com. Yeah, lifehackmethod.com. Got it. Lifehackmethod.com. Dude, what a pleasure. Thank you, man. Thanks, man. Thanks again for listening to the Men on Purpose podcast. Where our mission is to educate, elevate and activate every man to truly live their best, most fulfilling life possible. To find out more about the podcast, our guests are becoming a man on purpose. Visit menonpurposepodcast.com and choose your most purposeful path forward.